morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 20th of January, and my name is Helen Freer. Coming up on today's show, we have Tim Gagey, the head of FX and PM Solutions in Geneva, who will fill us in on what's been going on in currency markets. And then Manuel Villegas will update us on digital assets. But I will start with just a quick roundup of the latest market news. Let's start with the US then, where the vice chair of the Federal Reserve, Lael Brainard, said at an event yesterday that inflation remains high and policy will need to be sufficiently restrictive for some time to make sure inflation returns to 2% on a sustained basis. And later on, the New York Fed president said that officials haven't finished their aggressive tightening campaign. The next Fed decision will be on the 1st of February, but with investors concerned about the prospect that the Fed will continue to raise rates, all the major markets in the US fell yesterday. The Nasdaq Composite lost just under 1%. The Dow Jones and the S&P 500 both lost 0.8%. And for both of these indices, it was their third consecutive negative session. And the Dow Jones is actually now in negative territory year to date. Earlier on in Europe, all of the major indices here also ended the day in the red yesterday. The Eurostox 50 index closed the day down 1.9%. The SMI was the best performing index of the day, losing just under 1%. Yields rose in yesterday's trading and are also up in overnight trading sessions. The US 10-year yield has risen to 3.39%. And in commodities, oil rebounded yesterday with investors betting that more demand coming from China would outweigh the growing US stockpiles. Japan's inflation figure for December was reported and it came in at 4%, and that's the highest rate of price rises seen since 1981. In China, the central bank left the one and five year loan prime rates unchanged. Other economic data out earlier this morning includes UK consumer confidence for January, which has fallen again to a new low. UK retail sales numbers, which came in lower than expected, with a year-on-year figure of minus 5.8%, and German PPI inflation for December, which came in higher than expected. Netflix are also in the news. They added a lot more subscribers in Q4 than analysts had been expecting, which sent the shares higher in after-hours trading. And looking at Asia this morning then, the major indices there are all in the green at the moment. When I looked a couple of minutes ago, the biggest gains were in the Hang Seng Index, which was up 1.4%. And in Europe and the US, shares are on track to get back some of the losses incurred yesterday. When I looked a few minutes ago, futures were up across Europe and the US. So enough of me. Let's find out more about currencies now. Tim, over to you. Good morning. Thanks, Helen. Well, it's been a pretty random week, really. A good week to make money if you worked out the ranges, but also a good week to lose it if you misjudged them. Tomorrow is the last day where Fed members can put their thoughts across before the usual media blackout. And predictably, it has been a bit of a hawk fest as the Fed try to push back on market expectations that they are shifting to the more dovish side. I am not sure we will learn very much from the next round of central bank meetings, but the one after I think will be the real biggie, because at that point, since the Fed will be really very close to or maybe even at 5%, they will really have nowhere to hide. Absolute scenes for the end this week. Although if you stripped out the volatility from the Bank of Japan on Wednesday, it's actually another currency pair that is a little bit stuck in the range. Some consolidation is normal, but we still feel that yen strength is not done and it is too early to be short. In the UK, 
We for once earlier in the week had some slightly more encouraging data, employment and CPI, and sterling actually rallied, particularly against the euro, saying that, as we heard, UK retail sales very poor this morning, although so far no reaction at all. The cross of euro sterling, to me, is a pretty reliable one to play, and the opportunity to sell at 89 once again was the right thing to do, that is to say, buy some pounds. There is a uniquely negative view out there of the UK but it is not uniquely in a difficult spot and the bearishness in my view is excessive. I would still prefer to hold some pound exposure against dollars or euros. Commodity currencies flattered to deceive this week, but I still like Aussie and Canadian dollars, particularly the Aussie, if you buy into the China recovery story. Great potential there. And while the Reserve Bank of Australia has so far moved quite slowly, if China does indeed pick up again, they may be forced into further action. Either way, Aussie dollar is still not too expensive and a good diversifier out of dollars or indeed euros, sterling and Swiss francs. And I've seen there were some decent moves in precious metals, particularly gold. Can you tell us a bit more about this, Tim? Yeah, thanks, Helen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, gold outperformed significantly in the last week or so. Not only did it do much better than silver, platinum and palladium, but it's the only metal of the four to actually be in positive territory versus last Friday. Naturally, when gold moves, we assume it's being influenced by rates, but generally speaking, such moves are usually across all the metals. And perhaps more significant, and maybe the equity market struggles in the light of rates coming down, maybe that is a, a combination that is pleasant for gold. Being entirely honest, I was a little bit caught off guard by gold this week. I generally prefer recently to take metals exposure via platinum. Indeed, I would actually start to look again at platinum, maybe through some sort of product or reverse convertible where you can try to get a slightly better entry level. For gold, I'm still rather of the view that it makes sense to take some profits. A lot of investors are still sat on historical gold positions, which of course yield nothing. If you can get out of one of these old positions, um, it might make sense to do so, at least partially. It's hard for me to imagine gold returning to the levels we saw either at the start of COVID or the start of the war in the Ukraine. So if your entry level is below those two levels and that would be a gain, then I think it is worth um, taking a look at that again. That's all I want to say today. Thank you for listening. Have a super weekend and wrap up warm. Back to you, Helen. Great. Thank you very much, Tim. And now, Manuel, great that you could join us today as well. There's always a lot going on in the crypto world. What have you got for us today? Good morning, Helen. So January brought back some of the long-lost joy to digital asset holders. As some of the largest cryptos rallied upwards of 25% in little over two weeks, with some asset prices jumping upwards of 130%. With a strong influence from last week's CPI readings, expectations of a less restrictive U.S. Federal Reserve, and the return of the fear of missing out, the market capitalization of the asset class surpassed $1 trillion for the first time since the FTX crisis unleashed. Fortunately, the price action was not only due to the changing macroeconomic conditions, the FOMO and the short positions that were squeezed out with the rapid increase in prices, and also a component from on-chain fundamentals. Bitcoin and Ethereum active addresses have increased, reaching levels last seen before the crisis. Transactions rose in Bitcoin, spiking over 20%, since the beginning of the month and reaching levels last seen in April 2021. For Ethereum transactions, this remains sideways. Volatility, however, has decreased sizably for the two assets, and we are already seeing levels last seen before the crisis. Long-term holders' behavior has also been signaling accumulation, 
as the active supply of Bitcoin and Ether continues to steadily decrease when evaluating longer time frames, at least over a year. On another note, Ethereum price action also includes a component related to the Shanghai fork that will likely go live in March this year. And with it, validators will finally be able to get liquidity in their staked Ether positions. The recent gains, however, have not signaled a recovery for the asset class, and we are a long way from recovering last year's losses. The stain that FTX has left on centralized exchanges has not vanished and will take a longer time to heal. That said, unless another chapter is added to the crisis and unless there are renewed US dollar-related headwinds, we believe cryptos have left the worst behind. Back to you, Helen. Great. Thank you very much, Manuel. And that's all for today. So thank you to our speakers this morning and thank you everybody for tuning in. I wish you all a great day and then a great weekend. And do join us again on Monday when we will have an update from our technical analysts. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer, we would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Bear experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.